Hello there, it's great to see you again. Welcome to this Monday edition of MLEX's podcast, recorded to mark the publication of a new special report from our Asia-Pacific team. My name is James Paniki. I'm a senior editor here at MLEX, and it's great to have your company today. Now, the take-home of this special report is the globalisation of regulatory responses to big tech. And nowhere has this issue been more apparent than in Asia, where regulators appear to be bouncing ideas off one another as they feel their way around how best to deal with the challenges posed by technology giants. The special report has compiled the work of our correspondents in India, South Korea, Japan and Australia, as well as jurisdictions in Southeast Asia. And it brings an interesting regional perspective to what is very much a global story. To talk us through this special report, I'm joined by Laurel Henning in Sydney, Jet Damaso Santos in Jakarta, and Jenny Lee in Seoul. And Laurel, I remember you were the one who argued for this report to be written, so uh, I suppose well done, firstly. But what prompted that decision? Why is this such an interesting moment in Asia-Pacific legislation and regulation of big tech? Thanks, James. Well, we've seen a, a period of a lot of change recently in multiple Asia-Pacific countries, changes of government, changes of leadership at key regulators who have all been looking at big tech issues, be they competition, consumer, privacy related for, for a long time. And so in this report, we've decided to take stock of those changes. And then we've compared the approaches of different regulators across the region, as well as the ways in which they might be learning from one another. And I think For me, the main takeaway from this report has been that there is such a broad spectrum of approaches from regulators in the region, but perhaps where they may have been positioned on that scale in the past is not necessarily where they're positioned today. Okay, well, Jet, maybe let's start our wrap of the region in Southeast Asia. We haven't seen any strong enforcement action uh, yet against big uh, tech platforms in the region, but it looks like things are starting uh, to change. Maybe tell us something about what has been happening and what regulators are saying. Hi, James. So yes, we've now seen the first antitrust action against a big tech company. Um, This is Indonesia. The Indonesian Competition Commission in September has just launched um, Southeast Asia's first investigation uh, against a big tech company. It's into Google's Play Store billing policy. This is the same behavior that has gotten Google into so much trouble in a number of countries like Australia, South Korea, India, of course, the US and the UK. So it seems as if it was really just a matter of time before Southeast Asian regulators um, caught up with everything because they are paying close attention. Um, Laurel said something earlier about how regulators uh, influence each other. And we see this. I I was talking to... um, the chairs of the Singapore and the Philippine Competition Commissions. Um, and they were both saying that they do not only pay close attention, but they talk to their fellow regulators in the EU and the US. Like the Philippine Competition Commission acting chair, for example, he was saying um, the EU officials tell him, you know, it's worth uh, opening your own investigation because even if we've sanctioned them already here, that same behavior might be continuing in the Philippines. And Jenny, with a new government in office in South Korea, the country has made efforts to build a regulatory system in which platforms themselves can fix competition problems uh, emanating from their dominance. Now, this this notion of, of self-regulation 
is quite controversial uh, globally. So maybe start by updating us on the South Korean government's progress thus far. Has it had much success in this campaign? Sure, James. So the Yoon Sung-yeon administration has, um, since taking office in May, begun experimenting with this platform self-regulation. So instead of adopting new regu- uh, restrictions against platforms, as the previous Moon Jae-in administration had sought, uh, the president pledged that the self-regulation plan would be used to address disputes and other complicated issues between platforms and their small business users. So um, in the last several months, um, a pan-governmental consultative body comprised of agencies like the Ministry of Economy and Finance, the Ministry of Science and ICT, the Fair Trade Commission, the Korea Communications Commission, and the Personal Information Protection Commission was launched to lay the uh, groundwork for the new system. So as part of it, platforms, small business users, consumers, and other stakeholders have formed a self-regulatory organization and are currently in negotiations to establish measures such as a dispute resolution mechanism, voluntary guidelines, and contract templates to address issues concerning abuse of spare bargaining position, consumer rights and interest, data, AI, and ESG. And then there was a fire, right? I mean, tell us about (laughs) why... Uh, this sort of self-regulatory approach uh, ran into problems and there was something of a public backlash. Sure. Um, As you said, many are um, skeptical about the government's self-regulation initiative, especially in the wake of the recent service outage experienced by Kakao, South Korea's most popular messenger operator. So the incident occurred last month due to a fire at one of the company's data centers, which disrupted Kakao's messaging, rideshare, e-commerce, and many other services. While not unexpected, the incident has directed public ire at platform giants and placed their enormous market shares under the spotlight. And now um, questions are being asked as to whether self-regulation is the best model. So the uh, South Korean competition regulator says it's going to rely on self-regulation to handle disputes and other issues between platforms and small business users, but that um, it will draft new enforcement guidelines and revise merger control rules in the coming months to tackle the issue of monopolistic power of online platforms platforms. Uh, But still, there are a lot of lawmakers calling for more to be done about platforms, such as the enactment of relevant bills which are currently stalled in Parliament. Platform operators, on their part, do not seem to be entirely committed to the self-regulation initiative either, um, with new enforcement guidelines being discussed by the competition regulator and a strong legislative drive from lawmakers. I find the self-regulation point really interesting just to jump in on that point, James, um, that Jenny's making just because I was reading back on our report this morning and I think this point that the the digital platforms make which is sort of like well what's the point if we're self-regulating when we're going to face these guidelines anyway and at the same time it's an approach that sort of yes has given this impression from South Korea that there's a sort of more soft touch until now perhaps approach and I put that to um, the head of the Australian competition regulator just today wondering whether they had considered something like self-regulation and instead She's sort of talking about it as a as a combination of it's self-regulation if we set these codes of conduct, which I'll get into in a bit. If we set these up, then companies can decide 
how they respond to them, but will always have these sort of minimum standards in place, which give assurances to the public that at least at the very least companies have to do this. So in a funny way, even though I think Australia has not at all taken a self-regulation approach, there are definitely similarities here, I think, with, with South Korea. And we're seeing that across the report, which has been really interesting. Well, let's talk about that, Laurel. I mean, Australia's position in the global big tech discussion has changed and evolved from a few years ago. Why is that? And what were some of the main uh, outcomes of the latest ACCC report published on November the 11th? Sure. So historically, we have to go sort of back five years or so. The first digital platforms inquiry in Australia was conducted between 2017 and 2019. In fact, JET uh, helped us with that coverage back in 2019 when that report came out. And that report was very much focused on uh, the impact of then Facebook and Google on Australia's media and advertising industries. That report led to multiple consumer-based lawsuits. It led to Australia's infamous media bargaining code and a pretty fraught relationship really between the ACCC, Australia's competition regulator, and and big tech. Um, And it was also a time when Australia was really out in front globally on these issues. But now that regulatory landscape has changed globally. Um, You've got new measures from the EU, the UK, as we've mentioned already. And also we've had a change of leadership as well in Australia, not only in government, but also at the head of the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission with Gina Cascott-Lieb taking office earlier this year. And she has a style in public that is very measured. She keeps her cards pretty close to her chest and she's very much, and the regulator itself is sort of very much now about learning from overseas counterparts, particularly the EU and UK, which she mentioned in a, in a recent interview with me, but also uh, measures in Japan, for instance. So that's sort of the change in stance for the regulator. But the report itself, yeah, published on the 11th of November, marks a sort of halfway point in a now five-year review that the ACCC is conducting, which is not just focused on Meta and Google. It's looking at Apple, it's looking at Amazon Australia, it's looking at the emergence of TikTok or the rise and rise of TikTok. It's not really emerging anymore. And the latest report looks at proposing mandatory codes of conduct for certain platforms and services to protect and promote competition, it says. Um, The regulator has raised concerns, particularly for app stores, search, ad tech and social media, and says that these sort of codes of conduct would be used to address anti-competitive concerns that it has, particularly with regards to unfair treatment of business users, barriers to entry and expansion uh, by potential rivals. I could go into that a lot more in terms of detail of how those codes are going to look and how companies could end up designated under the codes, but our listeners will find all that detail in our special report as well. Another incentive for them to uh, download the uh, (laughs) special report. And interesting to hear that you were confirming what Jet was saying uh, earlier, and that is that uh, there is a, a close connection among regulators in the Asia-Pacific region, and they're clearly checking out what's going on in other jurisdictions. Is that right, Jet? Right. Actually, right after the Indonesian Competition Commission announced its probe into Google, I was messaging one of its one with one of the officials, and I was like, "Is this because of what India is doing?" And it was like, "Yeah, India and so many other regulators were watching very closely." Well, there you go. That just uh, that just proves the point, and uh, obviously a timely special report as a result of that. Uh, but look, Jet, returning to Southeast Asia, aside from antitrust, what? 
other regulatory risks are big tech companies facing in the region and which countries in particular in Southeast Asia present the greatest level of regulatory risk? So we've been talking a lot about antitrust so far, but actually in Southeast Asia, the battlefields for big tech have mostly been in the data localization and content moderation space. There are big issues being faced there in in Vietnam, um, in Indonesia, which have data localization policies in place, um, and big tech companies aren't really winning this, this battle. In terms of content moderation, we're seeing increased um, controls from different jurisdictions. Even just in Singapore um, this week, they've just passed a new law. I think it's their third law now addressing online content. Uh, But this time it's to make social media services or platforms uh, more accountable in terms of um, taking down harmful content, uh, including those that promote suicide or um, violence against people. Mm. And, and, and Jet, this is always controversial, isn't it? And I'm referring to, to India as well. So we're talking about South Asia as well. But, you know, it comes down to political interference. It comes down to the notion of whether or not there might be a political dimension to uh, controlling content that appears on uh, social media. Absolutely, especially in countries like Vietnam. To a certain extent, there's there are also concerns that we might see that in Indonesia because platforms, they call them um, electronic system operators, they've been required to register, uh, to all register, which would subject them to, to stringent takedown measures. And the, in countries like Indonesia, the definition of Uh, or the criteria for what content the government can order these platforms to take down is subject to interpretation, the government's interpretation. Jenny, Jet and Laurel, thank you so much for your work on this special report. Thank you also to Freni Patel in India and Sachiko Sakamaki in Japan for their contributions. I hope our listeners download the report and see all of the work that you've put into it. Thanks again. You're welcome. It was fun collaborating with everyone. Thanks, James. Thanks for having us, James. MNEX correspondent Jenny Lee was speaking to us from South Korea. Jet Damaza Santos is MNEX's Jakarta-based correspondent covering Southeast Asian regulatory affairs. And Laurel Henning is a senior correspondent based in Sydney, Australia. Now, the good news is that the special report is ready for you to download and enjoy. It will pop up prominently at our webpage, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X marketinsight.com. And there's plenty in it to keep you reading. As for this podcast, if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to ensure that it slides into your feed as soon as it's published. We're available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify and Stitcher. And on Friday's podcast, we'll be crossing to our bureau in Silicon Valley to cover the vexed issue of common ownership amid a mounting regulatory push against the practice in the US. I hope you'll be able to join me for my chat with Mike Acton. Today's podcast was presented and produced by me, James Paniki. It was published thanks to the kind intercession of our incomparable marketing team in London. And our executive producer is Richard Thompson. From everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for your company. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.